Good morning. It really is a joy to be in the house of the Lord, to gather together and to in worship, and the freedom to study the Word. If you were watching some of the news yesterday, you saw the uh, incident that happened in Texas and of a gunman taking hostage the uh, congregation in the synagogue in that small town. Thankfully, uh, it was resolved that well, the gunman was shot, but, but the, uh, no one in that congregation was hurt. But it's a reality that we live with today, isn't it? Whether it's a synagogue or a church or whatever house of worship it might be, that there are those who would want to uh, attack people for their belief and for whatever cause they're trying to uh, get done. But it, it is a joy to be in person in the house of the Lord and all those on Zoom also welcome this morning. Thank you all for your continued prayers for our family and uh, especially for Kristen. We, she's done with her fifth cycle of chemo out of six cycles. So one more to go in the beginning of February. So thank you for your continued prayers and we trust the Lord for his hand of healing. We are, are continuing in our series of All in the Family of God and Last Sunday and today we will be looking at, we, we had looked at the topic of wives as members of God's family. And today I will continue on that. Now, last Sunday Mickey looked at uh, one of the passages was Ephesians 5. And he laid a good foundation for the submission that's required of wives in scripture. And, but uh, I'd like to also add in that passage, that is not the only thing that's emphasized in that passage in, of submission. It starts out with submitting to one another in the church setting, in the fear of the Lord. But there's a lot more addressed to husbands in that passage. It's, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So those things go together. You cannot separate the one from the other. So today we'll be looking at primarily at the woman and the wife that's described for us in the last chapter of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 31 and verses 10 through 31 in a little while, I'm going to call Sean Fullin to come and read that passage to us. But, you know, that passage is probably likely familiar to all of us, if not all, most of us, if not all. And it appears to describe the characteristics I had written down of the perfect wife. And there is no, only God is perfect. So I changed it to the ideal wife. In these 22 verses, the writer uses an acrostic, with each word begins with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There's 10 to 31. It's success, 20, 22 verses. It's just like Psalm 119. If you look at Psalm 119 and those sections of Psalm 19, each section begins with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleth, and it goes down. So that's what this passage does. And if you could say, you know, since it involves the whole alphabet, from my English perspective, it, it really is an A to Z of the characteristics of the ideal wife. Now, is there such a thing? You know, in, uh, when we looked at husbands a few weeks ago, <coughs> and we had looked at Ephesians 5, there is a very high bar that is set for husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. 
Can any of us husbands meet that bar? The answer is no. In case you were wondering. (laughs) But we can certainly strive towards it as Scripture exhorts us to do. And you wives have an important part in playing in lovingly encouraging your husband to be that kind of a husband who loves his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. In the same manner, I present this chapter 31. It's a high bar. But it's not to discourage you in any sense, but rather, saying that I uh, I can never be like that, but rather it's presented really to encourage you to strike towards that. And husbands, you have a very important role in playing, in encouraging your wife to not only feel like the Proverbs 31 woman, but to be like a Proverbs 31 woman. You have an absolute role in that. I've titled this uh, sermon, The Proverbs 31 Woman, Woman and Wife, Fantasy, Possibility, or Reality. Fantasy, Possibility, or Reality. And I sincerely believe that the last of those three can be true to all you wives who are listening, whether it's here in the assembly here or on Zoom or those who will be listening in the coming days. I'd like to re-emphasize one more point before I ask Sean to come up to read it. When I spoke on singles from 1 Corinthians 7, you know, when Paul addresses in that chapter, he says, to the unmarried, I say, to the singles, I say, to the... He's, he's saying that specifically directed to people, but he expects the whole church to be listening in when that episode, that letter was read in, the, in those churches. The same principle applies today. When we are looking at wives, it's not just for the wives. It's for all of us. To you children who are here, these are your moms we are talking about. To those singles, this is the wife that you can ask God to provide for you. And to, to wives, it's, we're addressing wives, but to the husbands, there is so much that we need to learn about our wives and to learn from Scripture. And it's not a one-time, one-message process. It's a lifelong process, isn't it? And we thank the Lord for our wives and for bringing us together. So as we read this passage, I'm going to ask Sean to come up and read Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, and then we'll move on. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her prophets she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good, and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, yet she reaches out, or yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. 
Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Thank you, John. You know, I'd like to say up front that this, well, we read all of that. And there are times in marriages when, for whatever reason, whether it's illness or one partner is invalid, the other partner has to be both the loving husband who loves his wife and perhaps also be the Proverbs 31 woman for the, for the partner. So uh, just to bear that in mind. We've had some of that in our own family with Cameron having to do both for the last almost couple of years. So just uh, for us husbands and wives, uh, yes, this is a picture that's given of an ideal wife, but sometimes circumstances the Lord has different uh, plans for us. Let's just pray before we look into the Word. Father, we just thank you for the reading of your Word. Thank you for, there is a blessing, Lord, in reading the Word. And so thank you for this passage in Proverbs that's given to us. Pray that you would speak to us as we look at it, and it really would be an encouragement to both wives and husbands and families, Lord, this morning. And just uh, commit this time to you. Pray for your spirit to speak. We just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, according to Scripture, God established three human institutions in the world. Uh, what are they? Well, firstly, marriage and the home right in the opening chapters of Genesis in chapter 2. Uh, and uh, Mickey had looked at that last, last week also. The second one is human government. Really, the beginnings of it established after the flood. And uh, Paul reiterates that in Romans 13 and the, the, our responsibilities to it and uh, the uh, role of it. And the, the, you could consider the third as the local church formed in for an account given to us in Acts chapter 2. And of those three, the basic institution is the home. As goes the home, so goes the nation, and even the local church. The local church is also a family, as we are studying all in the Family of God series. And we are part of it, and this local church is part of a broader family, which is the universal church. The problem is today with the the family and marriage being so ridiculed and attacked in our society that uh, even in some Christian circles we begin to doubt the biblical model and pattern that's given to us. And I was listening to a, a interview, a snippet of an interview that they were playing with the founder of the 1619 Project, which I totally disagree with, but it was that per, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones is the person's name, and she was saying she couldn't understand all this protest that's happening with parents and against what the schools are teaching. She says, in my mind, the teachers and the educational system knows what's best for our children. They should be free to teach what they want. That is totally contrary 
to what Scripture tells us about us, our families and our children. Deuteronomy 6, Ephesians 5, so many passages. Parents, bring up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It's not the school's responsibility or not the teacher's on what they teach. Yes, they might be equipped to teach and they might do a good job teaching it, but it begins at home. But that is a message for another day. (laughs) Now, King Solomon, who wrote most of the Proverbs, had 700 wives and 300 concubines. It says that in 1 Kings 11, verse 3. But in doing so, he clearly disobeyed God's command against multiple wives for a king that's given to us in Deuteronomy 17. And he also disobeyed by taking wives from pagan nations that did not, did not trust or obey Jehovah. Now, it's likely that many of those wives came as part of treaties that the nation made with those other nations. And the wives came along as part of that treaty. But, regardless, he disobeyed the Lord. And eventually, the Lord, his, uh, those wives turned his heart away from God. And the Lord had to discipline him. And the kingdom was split after his reign. In contrast to that, this uh, passage in Proverbs magnifies the kind of marriage that's given for us, that God established in the Garden of Eden. And what is that pattern? That's one husband for one wife for one lifetime. Let me say that again. One man married to one woman for one lifetime. The husband is to love his wife and to be faithful to her. And the wife is not to forsake her husband and seek love elsewhere. They are to enjoy one another and grow in their love. Now in ancient Israel, in many cultures today, marriages are arranged by the parents. And the couple learn to love each other after marriage. Some of that applied to us in our own marriage. Although it was arranged, we, were, we met before marriage, but we didn't really know each other. And we trusted the Lord in faith. And we learned to love one another after marriage. Now, many of the verses in Proverbs are about, about wives are addressed to husbands. Now, Proverbs 18, verse 2, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 19, verse 14, A man can inherit houses and lands, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Blessed is the marriage in which the husband acknowledges God's goodness to him in providing him the wife that he has. When a husband takes his wife for granted or demeans her or puts her down in any way, it grieves not only the wife, it grieves the family, and it grieves the Lord. There are also verses about wives that are exhortations to wives in Proverbs. Proverbs 14 was 1. Every wife will either build a house or tear it down. Now, if she walks with the Lord, she will be a builder. Proverbs 12, verse 4, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in the bones. You know, the writer of Proverbs doesn't mince his words, does he? Either a crown or a cancer. There are other verses, Proverbs 21, verse 9, Better to live on the corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. And to be fair, that verse applies to quarrelsome husbands too. Now you know the finest description of the ideal wife is found in this chapter, and it's like the culmination of all these verses in Proverbs that detail the aspects of a godly and ideal wife. 
And as I said before, these 22 verses are an acrostic. It was likely that uh, parents in those days had the children memorize these verses with the acrostic, so uh, of kind of home that they would like to have in the future. So briefly, what are the characteristics of the wife that's described to us here in this chapter? Firstly, I'm going towards the end of the chapter, the most important there. She's a woman who fears the Lord. She is a godly woman. Verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. You know, it's wonderful when a wife has charm and beauty, but charm can be deceitful. It might hide an underlying nature that's not pleasant. And beauty is passing. It's, uh, as all of us get older and our bodies begin to lose their youthful vitality and vigor. But a woman who fears the Lord and seeks to please him has an inner beauty that never fades. Inner beauty that never fades. First Peter, in First Peter chapter 3, tells us this in uh, First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through Seven. Let's read that. Wives, likewise be submitted to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. If you read some of Lee Strobel's books, uh, Strobel was a hard-hitting uh, reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And... Uh, he did, neither one knew the Lord, and then his wife came to faith, and he saw the changes in her, and that led him on a journey that ultimately brought him to Christ. That's what these verses say. Verse 3, do not let your adornment be merely outward. You know that Peter has that word merely in there for a reason. There are some groups that think that because that verse says don't have any adornment, you should... You know, look like you came out of bed every morning and stayed the same way. That's not what the verse is saying. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. And again, in a section that addresses wives, there is always a parallel address to husbands. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife, giving honor to the wife, as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Husbands, if your wives are those who daily read the word of God, meditate on it, and pray and seek God's will for themselves and their own families. That is absolutely priceless. That is absolutely priceless. How thankful I am to have a wife who does that. Especially now after she's retired, she'll confess, you know, one of the blessings of her being retired is the time and the quietness of heart to read and meditate on God's word, to study it, and to you know, encourage others through it. She's been doing that for many years, but when she was working, she said, she, it's not that she didn't read the word or pray, but it always seemed to have a rushed quality to it. And now she has the time, like Psalm 46 says, to be still and know that I am God. How thankful I am for a wife like that. 
Wives, are you taking time, like Mary in the New Testament, to sit at the feet of the Lord and listen to him? You might say, Abe, are you kidding me? I barely have time to sit, let alone sit and read the word of God. But you know, uh, now Mary and Martha were not married that we know of. But the Lord commended Mary for taking the time to sit at his feet, and so it's important. But then again, to you husbands, do you help out around the house so that your wife can get time to spend with the Lord? Especially with those of you with young families. Are you willing to do that when you come back from a day of work? Are you willing to do that so your wife has time to spend with the Lord? And do you spend time together? Equally important. She's a godly woman who fears the Lord. First and the most important. Secondly, she is a woman of character. The New King James uses the word virtuous. Just as wisdom is more important than wealth, so character is more important than jewels. And Peter said the same in First Peter, the passage that we just read. You know, marriage doesn't automatically change a person's character. In fact, if there are character weaknesses in either husband or wife, marriage may often only reveal and accentuate them. A husband or wife who hopes to change his or her spouse after marriage is usually destined for disappointment. That being said, when both husband and wife know and love the Lord and trust Him, the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, can bring changes in both husband and wife. And that fruit of the Spirit that's develops as you grow in the Lord, can come forth. Whether it's listening better, whether it's having a forgiving spirit, whether it's learning to compliment and praise one another, ask the Lord in humility and He will change you. Another aspect that's mentioned here in uh, Proverbs 31 is the aspect of trust. And that's in uh, Proverbs 31.11. The heart of a husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. You know, if the husband and wife trust each other and the Lord, there should be harmony in the house. Here we see the husband of this woman has no fears or suspicions about his wife as she goes about her work, because he knows her character and knows that she will do nothing but good for him and her children. He knows her character and knows she will do nothing but good for him or her children. Wives, can you say that for yourselves? Do you disrespect or demean your husband in any way, especially when sharing things with other women? And I I won't, And again, in each of these, we're going to apply to the husbands too. Husbands, do you trust your wives completely? Are you suspicious of their activities and always checking up on her? Do you demean her or put her down in any way in talking to other men or in front of the children? If there are differences between you and uh, your wife in bringing up the children, discuss that among yourselves and don't hash it out in front of the children. I remember many years ago I was uh, gone into the physician's lounge and uh, Part of the Phil Donahue show was going on. Those, those of you who remember the Phil Donahue show, back when it was a serious show, before it became more like a Jerry Springer kind of show. 
and they were talking. He was talking to husbands uh, and asking husbands to tell negative things about their wives, and, and uh, a couple of the husbands were sharing things that they didn't really like. And, and he came to one husband and he said, "I don't have anything negative." To say. Really? And then he was trying to cajole him into saying something. He said, no, I don't. I don't think like that. I don't think like that. Do you trust your wives? Wives, do you trust your husbands? So that you don't even have to think like that. A woman of character, a virtuous woman. Thirdly, She's a person who appears does not, is not afraid to work. You know, unlike today in that culture, the woman's workplace was primarily a home. But this woman seems to break that mold too. Whether it was shopping in the marketplace for food, buying real estate, planting a vineyard, she rose up early and kept busy all day. Now wives, you might say, I'm not a morning, morning person. I get my work done later in the day. And that's fine. The point is this woman is diligent and she keeps busy not only for her household but for others too. And reading between the lines you get the impression that she makes a list of things to do the following day and then gets them done. Being organized. Both Joyce and I, we can laugh, look back and laugh. We, we are organized. Me to the point of being OCD. And... Uh, even when the kids were small, we used to, we managed wherever we had to go, whether it was for an event or a dinner. We were always early. <laughs> and we can look back and laugh. But wives, when you go about your work, whether it's in the home or in the workplace, do you do it diligently, like this woman does, as unto the Lord? Or do you do it grudgingly and complainingly? Husbands, do you value all the work that your wife does for you and the family? Does she know? Does she know that you value it tremendously? I can confess, I don't tell Joyce often enough how much I value the work that she does at home and taking care of the house and taking care of the family, taking care of the children taking care of the extended family. A woman who is not afraid to work. Husbands, you need to be telling your wives, thank you. And wives, are you diligent in the work that you do as unto the Lord? Fourthly, she is a generous person. Verse 20. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. As she ministers to and takes care of her own family, she keeps her eye open for people who have needs and does what she can to help them. You know, one of the wonderful ministries at the chapel here is the meal train that takes place uh, for those who are in need, whether someone is ill or recovering from surgery or following the birth of a baby. It's wonderful to see so many wives taking the time, even when they have families of their own, to take meals to those who need them in various circumstances and those who maybe deliver them too. And, and, or it's sending flowers or cards, letting them know that you care. 
these verses in Proverbs are addressed to the poor, but it's, it could it doesn't have to be monetarily, monetarily poor. It's just poor in resources or poor in needs at the time. Proverbs 14.21 states, Happiness comes to those who have mercy on the poor. And Proverbs 19.17 states, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. This was a quote my wife, my mom used to often say, God is no man's debtor. God is no man's debtor. Implying that when you give, as you're giving to the Lord, whatever it might be, that he gives you back much more. It's not an expectation, but it's, it's reality. That's what happens. My dad was, he had a fairly high up job in the telephone department in India and we wound up ultimately in Bombay, uh, Mumbai as it's known now. And he was head of the uh, the phone company. As was part of the central government there, which is federal government here. That was before the time of cell phones and everything. Now everybody has a cell phone. But in those days, it was all landlines, and it was extremely difficult to get landlines. There was only a limited number that would be sanctioned every year. And so the way it worked was in India was if you wanted a landline, whether you were a business setting up or a doctor setting up an office or whatever it might be, you bribe the person in charge of sanctioning those lines. And uh, a lot of those people in higher-up positions wound up multimillionaires, making money that way. Now, my dad would not take a single bribe. So we were a middle-class family. But they would give and give generously. You know, Bombay is an entry point for the country for many. And I, I remember growing up as a child, we always seemed to have somebody staying with us, a missionary that was traveling through, a full-time worker that was national that was traveling through. We always had somebody with us. And only now, realizing when we do it, how much work and time and effort it takes to do that. But they would do that day after day. For years and years they did that, till you know, they got old and they're not really able to do that. But they would do that. Talk about being generous. I've shared this story before. I mean, before we moved to Bombay, we were in the city of Madras, now called Chennai. India has been in this thing of changing all the British names to Indian names, so that's why every major city's name has been changed. And uh, we had, for the first time in in my in my parents' life, they had actually owned a home. Till then, they were renting, and it was a really it was a nice home. And uh, but Dad had got after they got the home, Dad got transferred to Bombay, and so Mom and the kids and the younger kids were there at the time. And she was um, uh, one of the national uh, full-time workers came through, and he was uh, just came to pray and. And she sent the Lord telling him to give him a gift. And uh, she had the money that Dad had sent. It was well before we had credit cards and everything. It was all cash. And she had the money at home. And she took all the month, monthly money that she had and gave it to the person. And, uh, and then she was wondering how she was going to tell my dad that she had done that. And she didn't know what she was going to do as far as you know the rest of the month. Now, in the back of the house, in the yard that they had, there was things left over from the building of the house. They were like concrete and steel beams that were there. And that very afternoon, somebody knocked on the door, and he came and he said, Mrs. Philip, I've seen these. I've been, walked by your house many times, and I've seen these beams and things. Do you, are you planning to use them? And she said, no. He said, I would like to buy them from you. 
and he pay, he gave her cash, which was well more than she had given to the person, the full-time worker who had stopped by. That's why she used to say, God is no man's debtor. That's not the only time that's happened. God is no man's debtor. Second Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. Wives and husbands, are you generous with your time and your talents and your treasure? I trust you are. She's a generous person. Fourthly, the wife makes it easy for her husband to do his work. The wife makes it easy for her husband to do his work. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And Now this is true for both husbands and wives when both work. Now the husband was not sitting idly at the city gate and, you know, drinking coffee. In those days, the city gate was where the city leaders gathered and conducted the business of the city, making decisions. Unlike today, in those days it would have been unheard of for a woman to sit on the city council. But this wife, by managing her household so effectively, made her husband's job less stressful. Husbands and wives should complement each other as each seeks to fulfill their role. Let me read this. Uh, a wise husband who recognizes his wife's strengths lets her compensate him for his own weaknesses and doesn't feel threatened or feel it's a sign of personal weakness. And the reverse is true. A wise wife will let her husband's strengths compensate for her own weaknesses and not feel threatened by his actions. Both leadership and submission in a home are evidences of love and obedience, and one does not nullify the other. Let me say that again. Both leadership and submission in a home are evidences of love and obedience, and one does not nullify the other. Wives, maybe there are tasks your husband doesn't really like doing. Would you do them out of love for him? without being asked? Husbands, if there are tasks that your wife doesn't like doing, do you do them willingly out of love for her, without being asked or without expecting something in return, or doing it because you wanted something? On a lighter note, wives don't ask your husbands questions that they can't really answer, such as, Honey, does this dress make me look fat? And you say, uh, so the, don't ask your questions, and husbands don't do the same either. In, now, in some work settings, the wife may have to be a gracious hostess, whether it's in a corporate setting or in, uh, whatever it might be. And even though she may not like doing that, she has to do that as part of being part of that family. Husbands, do you make it easier for your wife to do her work, whether by helping her out at home or giving her the space and the time that she needs. Verses 25 and 26, she is confident of the future and a capable teacher. Confident of the future and a capable teacher. You know, in Scripture, to be clothed with something. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. To be clothed with something in Scripture means that it's a part of your life and it's revealed in both your character and your conduct. 
Here the Proverbs 31 wife is not always worrying or complaining about the future and has strength of character and is prepared for emergencies as she trusts the Lord. Wives, do you have that kind of confidence? Or are you someone who's always anxious and worried about things? As we go through struggles in our family, Philippians 4 through 6 has become a, chapter 4 verses 4 through 6 has become a favorite passage. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God which shall fill your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Make your requests with thanksgiving. We are learning as a couple, as a family, to be able to be thankful even in the direst of circumstances. The wife was also a teacher of wisdom. You know, wives and mothers, you have a lot of teaching. You do a lot of teaching for your children, and you have a vital role in this together with your husbands. You should also be sharing your insights that you get from the Word with your husbands. And husbands, you should be learning and sharing your insights with your wife. You know, one of the many ministries that Joyce has done over the past many years now is uh, she sends a daily verse as a text to uh, the extended family group. I think she's got 18 people in that group. And then some of them send it on to other people. And she had, she's been doing that in at least 10 years, I would think, now. And uh, more so recently, now that she has the time, she adds a, a brief meditation to the verse that she sends. And periodically, some of those nieces and nephews will call and say how that verse really spoke to them that day. We know they're reading it. They don't always respond, but they're reading it. Teaching. You have a vital role in teaching your children, both husband and wife. And then she's also... in the, Oh, sorry... That was too much. She's also an attentive overseer of her own household. You know, verse 27, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She's certainly not idle and nothing in the household escapes her notice, whether it's food or finances or clothing or the children's teaching. You know, women... Wives, mothers, are the original multitaskers well before that word even became, came into existence. I, I, I'm thankful Joyce is not here today. She'd be so embarrassed. She is in Columbus and she's watching. I often, I, not often, I sometimes tease her, calling her Wonder Woman, because she'll be cooking, she'll have three things or four things going on the stove, and she'll be talking on the phone to somebody who just called in and, meantime, text text somebody who texted her about one of the kids who texted her. I can't do that. I wish I could. I can't. That's what moms do. That's what wives do. It's an ex- Managing the household is an exacting 24-7 job. And the Proverbs 31 woman does her job faithfully day and night. It is often, but it shouldn't be. It is often, but shouldn't be. A thankless job. Husbands and dads, if for any reason you think your wives have it easy and you're the one who's doing all the work outside the house, your wives have it easy just staying, just staying at home and managing the household, you should take on her responsibilities for a week or two and see how you fare. 
few days back, Joyce had reminded me of, of early on when the children were small, I think, and our parents were not, I mean, the parents were with us for a lot of the time, but this was one time when they were not. And uh, I think Kristen might have been two and a half, and Andrew was maybe about, yeah, about a year. And she had to go for a downtown medical meeting, and and uh, she said I called her multiple times asking when she was coming home. Does it seem, sometimes does it seem that the work of a household never ends and you'd just like to take a break from it all? Vacation breaks for rest and refreshment are necessary and valuable. The Lord Jesus, while on earth, went away to a quiet place to rest by himself and with his disciples. So fellowship with other women is important. And fellowship and time away for you, husband and wife, together away from the kids is also important. One of the purposes behind the small groups that we formed was to foster times of fellowship and encouragement in the Lord. Now, the COVID pandemic has been especially difficult, as many have been unable to meet together with friends or family, and hopefully that will improve as time goes on. And the last thing here from verses towards the end of the chapter, she is a woman worthy of praise and a testimony to others. Woman worthy of praise and a testimony to others. How wonderful it is to have, to have children rise up and praise their mom. I've had the blessing of seeing that happen with my own mom, with Joyce's mom, Rose, and with Joyce herself on certain occasions. What a blessing when that happens, children giving words of praise about their mom. As a general rule, well, not only that, but it's verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. What's the other half of the verse? Her husband also, and he praises her. As a general rule, both husbands and wives be sparing with criticism and complaints, but generous with praise. Be sparing with criticism and complaints, but be generous with praise. Often the reverse is true, isn't it? Often the reverse is true. And this is not husband and wives. And one of the regrets I have, and I know Joyce probably has too, is when our kids were growing up and they'd come back and they'd see their report card and, and they'd have one A minus or a B plus. And, and uh, that's, how come you have that one A minus instead of all the A's that are already routinely there? Children and husbands, when was the last time you told your moms or wives, thank you for all you do and praise them? privately or publicly. Not just Mother's Day. And not just doing that because you wanted something or some favor. Are we afraid to or embarrassed to praise our spouses? Think it might somehow puff, puff them up? And some are perhaps embarrassed to receive praise. And it makes us uncomfortable. In regard to this... Uh, Receiving praise. I found the words of Andre Crouch's hymn to be very helpful to me. His hymn says, If I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. If I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. And then the rest of the hymn says, Because all that I am, all that I ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee, to God. Be the glory. 
All that I am, all that I ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory. So to summarize, I'm going to try to turn the last one there. Okay, there. To summarize, a woman who fears the Lord, a godly woman, a woman of character, a woman who's not afraid to work, a woman who's generous, a woman who makes it easy for her husband to do his work, a woman who's confident of the future and a capable teacher, a woman who's an attentive overseer of her household, and a woman who's worthy of praise and who is a testimony to others. Dear sisters in the Lord, you might say, is that Is that impossible? I can never be all that? Nothing is impossible with God when He is with you. You know, this section just describes what every Christian woman can become when she follows the Lord wholeheartedly. And husbands, husbands, recognize and praise those elements of the Proverbs 31 woman that your wife already has. Perhaps she has all of them. Praise God if she does. Single men and women, if the Lord has marriage in your future, this passage describes for every Christian man the kind of wife he should be praying for. And single woman, this passage describes the kind of wife God wants you to be. But lastly, and this is important, Christian men and uh, Husbands, you had better be walking and growing with the Lord in your own spiritual life so that you will be worthy of such a wife that you already have or that the Lord may bring you away. I said in the beginning, Proverbs 31, the wolf Proverbs 31 woman, fantasy, possibility, or reality. I pray the Lord would help it to be a reality in all of our marriages and that the Lord would bless the marriages that we have and the marriages to be. May the Lord bless his word this morning. Let's close in prayer. Dear God and Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for this passage in Proverbs and just uh, outlining what seems to be what, what is an ideal wife and what seems to be, a, in a sense, almost impossible. And yet, Lord, we thank you for the fact that it can be a reality in our marriages, in our wives, in husbands, when husbands and wives truly love each other and the Lord and seek to serve him. I pray that it would be a reality, Lord, and help us to be sparing of criticism and generous with praise in our own lives. Pray that you'd go ahead of that. Thank you for every blessing that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we just pray for your blessing with us as we go from here. Depart with your peace. And keep us watchful and waiting for your coming, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.